Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. Happy New Year, everyone. We will be looking at the first of three messages called Vision 2020. Vision 2020. Uh, talking about how we're supposed to see clearly, how we're supposed to look at life. And may the Holy Spirit speak to all of us in what I think is uh, an important and and challenging word for all of us. Can we pray one more time? Just ask the Lord to help us here. Father, I don't have the ability, the capacity to accomplish anything in front of these good people tonight. If anything eternal, anything lasting, anything good is going to take place, it's because you work in our hearts. So I just invite you to come and give us very soft attitudes towards what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We live in, uh, in difficult times. Matthew chapter 24 and uh, verse number 24 says, in the end times, false Christs and false prophets will arise, show great signs and wonders. If it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. The spirit of our age is filled with deception. It is really easy to not see things clearly. Um, That spirit abounds around us. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. The spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There's this release of uh, seducing spirits that are, are trying to convince us of all kinds of things that are dead wrong. And increasingly, both within the church and within culture, we just say, oh, that's normal, that's okay, that's all right, we live in <laughs> deceitful uh, times. Second Timothy chapter four, uh, verses three and four, uh, time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, uh, but they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they'll turn away their ears from the truth. We live in a time 
where truth is called false and false is called true, uh, deceptive times. And so Paul warns us in 2 Thessalonians 2 to not be shaken in mind uh, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by a letter from us as the day of Christ is at hand. So in the midst of all this that you're seeing, uh, don't, be, don't be shaken by it. Uh, make a deep commitment to ask God to help you to see all things clearly. And so I've been trying to have a bit of a week of rest and rejuvenation and lay low a bit this week, but I've started my mornings at home praying and studying and getting ready for this weekend. And uh, Friday morning came and I had about 14 pages of notes and I said about 14 pages of notes when I went to sleep Thursday night. And as often happens to me, I wake up in the middle of the night and uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and my notes became almost unnecessary because he said, just tell the people what they're supposed to be looking for, what they're supposed to be looking at, the things we're supposed to be seeing uh, clearly. So I want to share some things with you tonight that God's Word simply says uh, we are supposed to be uh, seeing clearly. And the first thing uh, we're supposed to be seeing clearly, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, we need to look not at things which are seen, but things which are unseen. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Take a moment, look around. Look around a bit. Everything you just looked at is temporary. Every last thing. It's all temporary. And we spend most of our lives worrying about the stuff we can see. But if you're spending your life looking after the things you can see, the truth of the matter is you're not yet seeing clearly. Because as Christians, we do not look at things that are seen. We look at the things that are not seen. And until you begin <laughs> to throw out your short-sightedness and take the long view, become really, 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 really far-sighted 
and look at the things that are unseen, uh, you're missing what God would have for you. For most of us, the seen world is far more real to us than the unseen world. And because the seen world is so real to us, much more real to us than the unseen world, we even get mad at Scripture sometimes because it doesn't make sense to us. Paul says when we take communion, says we examine ourselves, and we need to examine ourselves because if you eat and you drink of the cup and the bread unworthily, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29, eat, drink, damnation to yourself. And some of you are sick and some of you are even dying because you're taking this unseen act of worship lightly. And we say, well, that's a little severe. Kill somebody for just drinking that little bit of grape juice. One sip away from death. And we get upset about those kinds of things because the seen world is so real to us. And we don't factor in the reality of an unseen world, which is really the real world. And God lives and moves and is most concerned about the unseen world. So we need 2020 vision as we move into a new year. We need to see clearly. And we cannot see clearly if this is all we see and this is the world we live and move and think about all the time. Second uh, thing we need to be looking at if we're going to see clearly is we need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. I I love the Christmas season, and it's not so much about uh, the stuff that's under the tree and opening the gifts, and it's not even so much about all the good food and all the great baking, although I appreciate all those things. I love the fact that Christmas somehow gives us just an extra bit of time with people who mean so much to us. And on New Year's Day, our family was over, and Donna, in spite of the reputation she likes to work on having that she can't cook, cooked up a great meal, we ate together, and then we began to visit. And somehow, in the course of the conversation, they a subject came up that everyone in our family is very concerned about. And one of our sons said, guys, 
We either believe God is sovereign and has everything under control, or we don't. God has this under control, and it's going to be okay. Problems come to us, and a lot of us get so focused on the problem that we lose sight of Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. And friends, I challenge you, no matter what comes our way as individuals or even as a church in 2020, we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Now, I recognized those words that one of our sons spoke when, because... My youngest sister challenged us many, many years back. She was putting on a hosting, a, a birthday party for another one of my sisters. Don and I had driven to Calgary to be a part of it. And she showed up and put on a great evening for my sister, the hostess with the mostess. Uh, did a really, really good job. She uh, had had trouble conceiving. She was expecting the next morning she phoned and she said, I uh, lost the little one the day before yesterday. And she still showed up to put on the party with a smile on her face. And we asked her, how did you do that? And she said, it's really simple, John. I either believe God is who he says he is or he doesn't, and I believe God is who he said he is, so I just keep trusting him. And that statement has left a mark on the John Drisner family. Looking unto Jesus looking unto Jesus. So we don't look at seeing things. We look at Jesus. And we learn today as Canadians that a team can beat you 6 nothing. And uh, some of us can think that's the end of the world. But God's really good at second chances, and tomorrow we get a second chance. Not worth skipping church for Sunday morning, people. But um, God specializes in second and third and 490th chances, and you don't get your eyes on your circumstances. No matter what you are going through, you keep looking to Jesus. No matter what you're going through. Third thing we need to look to. Uh, skip that when I got that up there. Just go to the three. Thank you. Look out for the needs of others. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. We live in a very uh, selfish culture. Uh, 
is it uh, Second Timothy or First Timothy, says that in the last time we will be lovers of our own selves, lovers of money, and arrogant. All of that is really self-centered living. We, as the people of God, are not primarily concerned about ourselves. We want to please Him, and we want to honor others. And so I was delighted and, and proud at the uh, Blue Christmas service. I think you can click there. Uh, one more, and click the next slide too. I was, I was proud at the, uh, at the Christmas Eve services to share the needs of Joy's Home of Hope. And, uh, and as a result of Christmas Eve services and a church full of people who do not just have their eyes on themselves but have their eyes on others, we raised on Christmas Eve $2,825 for Joy's Home of Hope and that whole group of kids that weren't able to go to school uh, for the next four or five months are all paid for now because of you having your eyes on others. That's how Christians live. That's how Christians live. Thank you, Paul, for leading the way. And then fourthly, if we're seeing clearly, we uh, look at the fields that are white and ready unto harvest. So I need whoever the crew is to help me now and um, get some stuff on the platform that's gonna help me illustrate this. We need to be looking at the fields which are ready to be harvested. John chapter 4 and verse 35. Do not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white for harvest. You're not seeing clearly if you don't have a passion for the, the harvest field. So what I need now is I need 10 extroverts to come and fill every one of these chairs. So. Uh, if you're really shy, you'll be uncomfortable up here because you'll have to be up here for a little while. But if you're an extrovert, or at least a comfortable introvert, uh, come fill uh, some of these chairs for me. I'm looking, I'm waiting, don't be shy now. The service won't be over until I finish talking about the 10 chairs, so we can make this last as long as you want. Uh, one, two, eight more needed. Hi, we're getting there. Six, five more needed. Four more needed. Three more needed. Two more needed. If I'm counting right, yes. 
I need two more. There, good, thank you. Ah, got them, perfect. Give them a hand. Now, all of these people don't have a clue uh, what is coming here. But they represent Canada. I think you represent Canada pretty well. A little slanted to the female side, but... Maryland represents 10% of Canada. Everybody going down here represents 10% of Canada. I want you to see Canada as a harvest field. And the uh, truth of the matter is that it's interesting how all of this works out. 30% of Canadians are believers. This 30%. <laughs> now, they're not all Christians. About 11% are followers of other religions. Hindus, Muslims, the list goes on. But about 20%, 21% are, are Bible-believing Christians. If you ask them what they are, they would say, I'm a Christian. That leaves 70% of Canadians who are not believers. Now, here's where the lie comes in, and we're not seeing clearly. We say, what a terrible nation. 70% of people aren't believers. If you're seeing clearly, what you realize is 70% of people need Jesus. Well, and Trevor does too. <laughs> but there are 70% of people who have no commitment to Christianity and to things of faith at all. Here's uh, an interesting uh, stat on these 70%. If we cut Jennifer in half, about 25% of people in our nation are, are what sociologists have started to call nuns. Not nuns, N-U-N-S, but nuns, N-O-N-E-S. They have no understanding of scripture. They, they don't own a Bible. They don't read a Bible. They weren't raised in homes that taught them about scripture. Uh, they don't really hardly ever even think about God. They're nuns. 
Now, we have made the mistake of thinking that, oh, they're nuns, they don't want to hear about God. We're not seeing clearly. Who told you they don't want to hear about God? I suspect it's part of the deception of the age. They do want to hear about God. As a matter of fact, Christopher Reardon, who's in his early 40s, married, two children, is a nun, and this is his perspective when he was asked about it. He says, there's not a ton of people who are actually willing to sit down and talk. Lots of people are willing to sit down and tell. They come to my doors all the time, doors all the time. I want you to hear what I have to say, they say. If we're going to have a conversation, it should be shared. It's always like, I'm coming to help you. No, you're not. If you're coming to help me, you wouldn't come at 9 o'clock in the morning. You'd let me sleep in because you know I work hard. That 25% or so of our culture that are nuns are looking for somebody to care enough and really have a conversation instead of preaching at them. Maybe get to know them a little bit first. Let them know that you care about them. So we got these nuns we got these saved people and we got Trevor <laughs> and then and this is this is astonishing friends half of Jennifer and the rest of Canada are what are called duns so from here to here are the nuns and duns. And the duns, 45% of people, the duns are people who are done with church. Somewhere back there at some point they used to come. Somewhere back there, they used to hear sermons. They used to sing songs. Somewhere back there, they thought about God and tried to include him in their lives. But somewhere, the church failed them. And according to Josh Packard's research on duns, he says there are four things duns failed to find within the church. And the first thing they say they failed to find was a loving community. Instead, they got judgment. Friends, if the church is going to be anything that comes close to being a light in the world, this has to be a house where people are loved. Secondly, they were looking for transformative activity, things that would really help them get better at living, and instead all they got was a bunch of bureaucracy. Bunch of constitution and bylaws and board meetings. 
and some of those things are necessary. But friends, we don't offer the world board meetings. We offer the world the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And may this house never become about running a church. May this house always be about being the church. And the third thing they said they were looking for was true conversation. But they got a lot of one-sided doctrinal monologue. People want to talk about their faith. Join a neighborhood group. Help people grow. And then they're looking for meaningful ministry about things that matter. And instead, they got shallow moral prescriptions about what to do and what not to do. Forty-five percent of Canadians are done with the church because that's how they've seen us acting. Now, here's the good news. Ladies, stand up. If we're seeing clearly, we'll figure out <laughs> that the duns and the nuns actually want Jesus in their lives and need Jesus in their lives. And you know what you do about the duns and the nuns? You just go and you win them one at a time. So when you go to work tomorrow, <laughs> if you go to work tomorrow, Oh, don't go to work tomorrow. It's the Lord's Day. Watch the hockey game. Don't be like those Sunday church people who have to come to church. Um, <laughs> on Monday when you go to work, on Monday when you go to work, in your work environment, 70% of those people are probably either duns or nuns. Begin to have some conversations. Begin to have some conversations. Are we seeing clearly? Next week I'm going to get really, really practical. Next week I'm going to get really, really practical and talk about how we as a church need to begin to walk out a faith that is seen clearly, that has 20-20 vision. I think it ultimately starts with all of us making a commitment to get our spiritual eyes examined. And to allow the Holy Spirit to make some visual corrections so that we can See clearly once again. Can't remember the pastor's name, not really important. 1996, thank you guys. Pastoring a growing church. And he's grumbling to God about all the problems he had. And he said, I felt the silent whisper of the Holy Spirit say to me, 
And he's like, God, how can you have problems? You're all powerful. You can do whatever you need to do and your problems will go away. What kind of problems do you have, God? And he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, my problem is you're living in a city that doesn't know me and I really want them to know me. We quote Matthew 6, verse 33 a lot. Seek first the kingdom of God. <laughs> I wonder if we ever think that part of seeking the kingdom of God is recognizing what God's heart is. In God's heart, the chairs are gone, the people are gone. But remember, God's heart is for the duns and the nuns. It's for a harvest field that still is ripe. So may the Lord help us to see clearly in 2020. I can't think of a better year to have 2020 vision than 2020. May the Lord help all of us. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.